Some days you look at the San Diego Union Tribune website and it feels like 2020 is playing natural disaster bingo. Monday's intrigue was a swarm of earthquakes below the Salton Sea along the southern tip of the San Andreas Fault. The quake swarm began early in the morning and lasted throughout the afternoon with 13 quakes measuring 3.0 or higher and two measuring above 4.0. Here's what that means. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Gary Robbins, you cover science and several other things for the Union Tribune, and you are a resident earthquake expert. Let's put this into context. What exactly happened Monday? How common are these swarms? So every so often we have a swarm, or in other words, a series of small to moderate-sized earthquakes occurring in a specific area. We've had four swarms since 2001. None of those swarms have led to something really bigger. Um, But the concern was that um, this particular swarm is out in the uh, Salton Sea, which is about 90 miles north, northeast of uh, San Diego. And it was about seven miles from the southern end of the San Andreas Fault. So the worry there was that the shaking uh, from this swarm might trigger something on the southern San Andreas. And scientists are concerned about the San Andreas because They believe that the last time that there was a really catastrophic earthquake there was 1680, maybe 1690. And they think that the fault slips roughly every 175 to 200 years. So under that math, we would be overdue. Now, scientists hate that phrase because there is no way to predict earthquakes. Um, But they're concerned about it because if the southern San Andreas Fault goes from the Salton Sea up uh, to Central California, that could have a catastrophic effect on Southern California, um, including here in uh, San Diego. We wouldn't get the direct energy, but we'd get indirect energy that would profoundly affect us. Mm-hmm. And how exactly does one earthquake trigger another? It's the um, seismic energy just radiating through the earth, and it causes a piece of fault that was ready to kind of slip to slip. So it's like me uh, coming over and just kind of pushing you a little bit. I, I force you to do something. In this case, it is um, seismic energy. So it's a force moving on another force. Southern California is like a cracked egg. Um, It's nothing but uh, faults. You can't build a house anywhere where in Southern California not be near some fault. And so the San Andreas is the biggest crack in the egg. And they're afraid that these smaller cracks will radiate out energy and make the bigger crack go like that. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So um, now that this is being studied, what are some of the kind of research questions that seismologists and other people have when it comes to the swarm specifically? Like what's kind of the game plan with trying to learn from this new swarm? So they need to better understand how and when one earthquake can set off um, an earthquake on another fault. They they know that it has happened. And you and I uh, know that it's happened because we've likely experienced it. If you go back to 1987, um, there was this incident out in the Salton Sea or near the Salton Sea where the Elmore Fault went off and produced a 6.2 earthquake. 11 hours later, it produced the Superstition Hills earthquake, which was 6.6. So over time, scientists realized that one fault triggered another fault. And over the years, schools like San Diego State University and and UC San Diego have helped better understand that mechanism. How does that happen? When does it happen? Where is it likely to happen? So it's coming into sharper focus. They're also getting a better idea of when a particular fault, an individual fault, is likely to slip. 
You do some of that by, you know, trenching and looking at the poles to see what their history is. But they can also do more with satellites, for example, that look at the topography of Southern California, and it gives them a sense of where things happened in the past and where things are moving. We can actually see the ground moving in Southern California from satellites. Now, it moves by minute amounts, but when you measure that over a period of years, you get a sense of what kind of rhythms and patterns there might be uh, in the topography. Mm -hmm. And right now, the science isn't able to forecast earthquakes, but we are getting a little better at telling people kind of when they happen sooner. Why don't you explain those recent changes? Okay, so that's absolutely true. We, no one can predict an earthquake. You can't say on a Tuesday afternoon with any specificity that there'll be a 6.5 and specific quake tomorrow at a certain time. What we can do is better inform people about when a quake is underway. So yesterday when the swarm occurred, my phone kept going off uh, because I have it set to this app that tells me when anything occurs 3.0 or larger in a certain region of Southern California. Now, everybody else, all listeners here can have the same thing set on their phone. Um, I noticed it kept going off and off and off. There was a series and I'm going, oh, that's a swarm. So I notified our newsroom and some other people. I notified my wife and I said, well, this is going off. She was in Del Mar at the time. Um, and I said, just be aware. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to lead to a bigger earthquake but it can lead to a bigger earthquake. So the fact that we're able to get a sense of seismic energy as it's happening is a big help. California has created an earthquake early warning system that is still at an early level, but it's getting better. In fact, today, um, Governor Newsom uh, and Google jointly announced that the early warning software is going to be introduced into the Android phones. Now, Daniel, you and I know that the iPhones are the better phones, but they're going into the Androids, which sell a lot more. Um, so that'll make it easier for people to just to touch a button and say, I want to know when something begins to happen near me or in an area of California that could affect me. Mm -hmm. And uh, here specifically in San Diego County, where are kind of the danger areas? So you've written about earthquakes for some time. Like what are the big kind of fault players in the county that people should be aware of? There are two places. One is the Rose Canyon Fault which goes directly uh, through the heart of downtown um, uh, San Diego. It comes ashore in La Jolla. It uh, goes through the downtown, and then it cuts off uh, shore around Coronado. It's an extension of the Newport Inglewood Fault, which is offshore. Now, this fault has not broken in a very long time. And San Diego State, uh, particularly the geologist Tom, uh, uh, Tom Rockwell, thinks that it'll probably be a long time before it does go. But, you know, I've known Tom for about 30 years, and over that period of time, the amount that he's learned about this particular fault is extraordinary. And one of the things they learned is that it breaks more often than they, than they assumed. So as they continue to do research, they might find, might find um, that perhaps it uh, breaks even more often than they thought today. Um, if that fault went off in a big way, if there was like a 6.5 earthquake um, on the Rose Canyon, it could cause catastrophic damage in San Diego County. Um, there are a lot of reports, uh, seismological reports, geology reports, where they've looked at this whole thing in the form of a scenario. And they know that it, it has a potential to say, kill uh, maybe 2000 people, cause a lot of liquefaction, make it um, instantly uh, so that you can't land at local airports, disrupt rail lines, shut down hospitals, shut down universities, damage overpasses on the I-5. I don't mean to sound like the kind of um, disaster movie that you mentioned at the top uh, introduction, but 
but it's one of the realities of living in California. Go back to the Loma Prieta earthquake, which happened 31 years ago. That occurred on a fault that no one knew existed. It was a so-called strike-slip earthquake in which it kind of pushed up, and that was a catastrophe in, in what it did. It caused over $20 billion in damage and killed a lot of people in Southern California. The fault that broke yesterday was a fault that was not known to exist. This is a new fault. Now, it's in an area where there are a lot of small faults, um, but still, I talked to um, uh, Scripps Oceanography uh, shortly after it occurred, and they said, oh, we didn't know about that. So we're learning all the time about where the faults are, how they behave, and how we might be able to sense when they might be going on. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to kind of seismology broadly, what are some of the blind spots that we're kind of getting a better understanding about? Because so much of science is acknowledging what you don't know and then finding out ways to figure it out. Well, one of the things is really simple. There are, there are about 40 million people in California. About half, perhaps more of them live in Southern California. A lot of Southern California is paved over. We have a massive uh, population that literally covers the earth. So trenching for earthquake faults can be very difficult. Studying quakes here can be very difficult just because we've, we've paved over so much of paradise. Um, and they, there's, a, there's a long recurrence level and looking down into the earth can be difficult. There have been times, for example, when uh, scientists have set off like uh, shock waves in places like Seal Beach because they want to send the waves down and see if they bounce off of faults that they didn't know exist or they don't know very much about it. That's the kind of research that could occur here in San Diego County as well. Um, They learn more, for example, about the faults in downtown Los Angeles, which is affected whether or not to put skyscrapers in certain portions of that city. It's profoundly affected the design of buildings. Um, We are fortunate in a way because UC San Diego has the largest outdoor shaking table in the world. So a lot of this crucial research that has led to the redesign of bridges and freeway overpasses and structures has occurred there at UC San Diego. Um, the shake table uh, is shut down right now. It's been undergoing this really large uh, renovation and expansion. It's out there in Scripps Ranch, um, but it will resume um, uh, research early next year. So we're learning a lot, but it can be hard to see into the earth. And there's another problem. you know. We don't pay much attention to this and we should. There are a lot of offshore faults right off the coast of San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles County. There are a lot of faults. And if one of those goes in a substantial way, we could have the kind of slump and then tsunami that could come ashore. Public safety officials here in Orange, in San Diego County have studied that. They know where the wash-up zones are. There are places like Coronado, where the uh, Navy SEAL base is, for example. Um, the ocean side is you know, really flat there to the ocean. So we know they're there, we know a little bit about them, but we don't know nearly as much as we need to know to do the kind of public safety things that we need to do in order to be safer when a quake actually occurs. Mm -hmm. But there is some small things people can do to be safe. Uh, Time for the earthquake kit speech that I make you give every time we talk about this. So I have one right here in my house. Uh, My my wife kind of laughed at it at first. Um, but, you know, I just go to my local hardware store and they sell, they sell these kind of plastic things that you could put things in. So I put in food and a can opener and towels and socks and all the things that you would need, flashlights and matches, um, you know, the things you would need to get through the first few days of an earthquake. Um, I have the same stuff in my car. 
It's not expensive. It's easy to do. And you should do it, particularly if you have children. Um, I mean, you're going to be after taking taking care of them for a long period of time. You know, John, uh, uh, Daniel, these things seem so far-fetched. But they do happen. Loma Prieta happened. The earthquake in San Francisco that damaged the bridge during the World Series happened. Um, earthquakes in Alaska have happened that have sent tsunamis down the coast of California that have killed and damaged people. So while they don't happen often, they do happen. We know they're there. We live next to and on top of them. And it's easy to be prepared, and we should be. Mm -hmm. I mean, if a, you know, a new virus that comes from a bat shuts down the world, an earthquake can happen too. I don't know of anybody who told me in January that we're going to be where we are today. So the world gives us all these unexpected things, even though we know they're possible. Um, so it's just prudent. And it's not hard, and it's really not expensive to take some steps. I suggest that people go online, and particularly the U.S. Geological Survey <laughs> in other works, um, other sites where there are, are earthquake apps, set their phones so they know when something is happening like the swarm, or something happens and they feel it, but they don't know really where it is, and uh, they don't know how to respond, and perhaps they have family that are spread out in different places, and they just want to know more in the moment. It is easy to stay informed about earthquakes that have just happened. Um, you can find out whether there are public service advisories uh, that come with them. For example, if there's a good jolt here in the county, they usually shut down the coaster traffic. Well, we use the coaster to come and go to, to work, to go home, uh, uh, things like that. So these are easy things that really don't cost hardly anything, if anything at all. They're right there. They're easy. Mm -hmm. And finally, if I'm a reader that has a question about earthquakes, what's the best way of getting hold of you? You know, uh, the last time you and I talked, I gave an email address, and it really worked. And so I'm so thankful for that. So my email is pretty easy. It's just my first name, Gary dot Robbins with two Bs at sduniontribune.com. Please do reach out. When we needed, to, we asked for help on a story a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, and one of the first people to respond was someone who was watching this, who was in Virginia who had kids here who wanted to tell me something about uh, a story that affected their kid. Mm -hmm. All right, Gary Robbins, thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. Today is Tuesday, so listen to the latest episode of Name Drop. Hear the UT's Abby Hamblin and Christy Totten interview Barney Scout Man, a hiker, author, and so-called trail angel. He's hiked all around the world and also helps out people hiking their way along the Pacific Crest Trail, which runs from the Mexico border to the Canadian border and passes through San Diego County along the Laguna Mountains. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.